wasn't all good. Um, hurricane destroys half of Florida. Uh, some places I used to love to go on the west coast of Florida, Naples, Sanibel Island, um, beautiful, beautiful places got destroyed. Um, stock, my stock market accounts are down 25% since January 1st, hallelujah. Uh, inflation's at 10%. Politics is, it's cray-cray out there. Do you know, if, if I just look at circumstances, my hope in the days ahead are not very confident. If, if, I were to, if I were to just focus on what's going on in the world um, between, it's just, I, I mean, really, I, I, I'm taking a break a lot from media just because I find it disturbing my soul. Not only is it disturbing my soul, but if I'm not careful, I find it eroding my faith. Um, because I start to question the days ahead. I don't question God or his goodness, but somehow the two connect a little bit for me personally so that it's better for me at times to just disconnect from, and I, I'm, I'm not saying I want to go live in a monastery in the mountain. Maybe I do. I, 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 at times I'm like, it's more and more appealing to me to just separate out. In the book of Thessalonians, Paul is speaking to a people who are undergoing severe persecution. We think we've got it bad. But we, most of us at this point in our lives, are not facing overt persecution. We're going to hear from this couple uh, Wednesday night. I really hope you'll come and, and hear their story of a couple who just, from what I can tell, as the the, the recordings I listened to, all they did was say, hey, we love our community, and but we hold to a traditional view of marriage before they got closed down, canceled, shut off. Now, the odds are high that we're, gonna, we're hitting that. We're just a little behind the curve here in Birmingham, a little more conservative, but the days are coming where if you don't not only tolerate, but embrace the worldview, um, there's a chance. So I think Thessalonians speaks to us in this context. How do we maintain confident faith in uncertain times? Because the times surely are uncertain, are they not? And so we're, we're looking at how do we faith, I, I, I thought this was a clever title, faith, face, faith forward, um, in the idea that it's really going to be our faith that drives us forward. If we're going to move forward in the Lord, then, are you okay? I know, I was hysterical, it was hysterical, I get all choked up at myself too. So, but how, how are we going to move forward in faith? We got water up here if you need somebody. You're good, okay. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 and following. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and following. Now, let me give you the context of this. Look up here real quick, and I'll give you the context, and then I'm going to frame it in a way that I hope will help each of us. Remember, 
Paul has gone to Thessalonica, which is in northeastern Greece. It's about 300 miles from Athens. It's on the coast. At the time, it was in Macedonia. Now it's in Greece. He goes to um, this very prominent city, probably a city of 200,000, and goes in and establishes a church. He visits some synagogues, preaches in the synagogues, establishes a church, but he's only there for three weeks. Hey, listen to me. He's only there three weekends. And then, because of the persecution of the Jews, he and Silas and Timothy have to flee, basically, in the middle of the night. So they go to Berea. There, Paul feels... By the way, they get run out of Berea, too. Um, The Jews from Thessalonica follow him to Berea. They get run out of there. Paul heads down to Athens, which... You know, Mars Hill, the teaching at Mars Hill. Remember all Acts 17, 18, 19. Uh, For those of you who got your Bible clues on, he goes to right outside the Parthenon. There's Mars Hill. I just showed you a picture. Kathy and I were there a couple years ago. Don't you love it when I bring my family vacation photos in? And so uh, Mars Hill is right down from the Parthenon. It's right there. And so, but Paul sends Silas and Timothy back to Thessalonica to help establish the church there. And then they get different reports. Paul goes on from Athens down to Corinth. It's about 30 miles from Athens. He goes to Corinth. He's going to be there for a couple of years. Uh, We get the letter Corinthians, right, from Corinth. But he didn't write it there. He, He writes back to Thessalonica this letter, Thessalonians, which is probably Paul's first letter written around 50-51 AD. Here's the situation, though, as he addresses it. The Jews are coming in um, behind Paul's teaching and saying to the church, this new three weeks is all he was there. And the Jews are coming in behind and saying, that dude was not an apostle. Not only that, he didn't really even, he doesn't really love you. I mean, look, he hasn't been back. He fled. He ran away from you in the middle of the night. And he doesn't, he doesn't really care. And so Paul is defending himself, more or less, to the church to say, hey, I really do love you. And the sermon that Gabriel got, gave last week and the one I'm talking about this week is really Paul defending himself, so to speak, without defending himself. I mean, he's saying, no, don't, don't. And, and again, it's a, it's a weird defense because I don't want you to think Paul is getting defensive. What Paul is doing is defending the gospel. He's saying, do not let these people rob you of the gospel. But in doing so, he's kind of explaining and showing how the gospel plays out in his life how it plays out with them. And really what he's doing here today is going to be talking about the relational aspect of Christianity. He's going to say to them about relationships, this is really important. People, please listen to me carefully. This is one of my life messages. I say it over and over and over again. Christianity is in its basic nature Thank you. Relational. It's relationship with God and with one another. 
You cannot, you cannot go back and say, hey, it's just me and God. It's just me and me. No, the New Testament is clear that God is looking for a people after his name, not just a person after his name. It's a relational faith. And the church in Thessalonica is a great example of how the devil will come and try and destroy your relationships. Come and try and divide people against one another. The lies of the enemy are always there. And we have a, we have a choice, and you're going to face a choice. You probably faced it this morning about some relationship, about some thought. Last night when you laid down, there's a high probability that some of you in this place laid your head down and you thought about one of two things that really consumed you, either finances or an encounter with a person that played through in your mind from yesterday. One of those two, maybe both, that kept you awake to think about how should I have responded? What should I have said? Ooh, I could have got him if I'd have said this. I mean, something along those lines. I, I want to reiterate to you this morning how important relationships are and how are we going to maintain healthy, loving, strong relationships. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. This is going to be good, I think. All right, here we go. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Paul says this. He does, really. There we go. But brothers, when we were torn away, notice the way he emphasizes this. We were torn away. We didn't just leave you. We were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. Out of intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. How is Paul going to demonstrate to them that they are really his glory and joy? And... Um, you may say, well, this is kind of preacher talk about, you know, establishing a church. He just wants a big church or something. No, no, Paul is concerned about the relationships. He, he loves these people. And he wants them to know that their reception of the gospel and the joy in the relationships is what really, really matters. That's the overall context. Here's my, here's my preaching kind of angle for today, how are we going to walk in these kind of relationships? In this society in which relationships are becoming, you're becoming more isolated, not more connected. Bottom line, everything in the world today is aiming for you to become more independent, autonomous, disconnected. How are you going to maintain Something that's critical, which is relationships, friends, family, the family of faith, people around you. You know, when we went into um, COVID, 
I've said it before, we were probably one of the most ill-prepared um, to do online church. I mean, we've never been an online church. We had stuck a camera up um, just, you know, in case someone was sick and couldn't come to church and wanted to be a part of church. But we really did it. We had no goal to be an online presence because we believe church is about presence. It's about being in the middle of the people of God. And so we had to adjust to allow um, our older uh, attenders and those who are more vulnerable to, to still worship with us, to see church and come to church. And, but I, I still react against it. I, st- I don't push it. I, I want you here because here is where you see people. You can, you know, it's one thing to worship online. And if you're joining us online, we love you. Uh, (laughs) But at the same time, it's a whole different thing to see a person, smell a person, look at their face, know what's going on in their lives than it is from a distance. And everything in the world is pointing, trying to pull you apart from people. How do we, how do we do this? Okay, I'm going to walk us through the passage. Here we go. We're going to start. This is chapter three. Basically, we're covering the whole chapter today. The first thing has to do with the sacrifice of relationships. The sacrifice of relationships. Look what Paul says uh, in verses one through five. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Remember, where's Paul when he's writing this letter? Thank you. He's in Corinth. But he was in Athens with Silas and Timothy, and he's going to send Timothy out of Athens back before he goes on to Corinth. So he goes on and says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, When we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. He's only there three weeks. I I love it. What are the, this cracks me up. Paul is there three weeks and he keeps telling them two things. What, maybe three. Jesus is Lord, we're going to be persecuted, and Jesus is coming back. I mean, because they're obsessed with the second coming, as you see. In three weeks, he's really given them some things to think about. And he goes on and says, And it turned out that way. (laughs) He's kind of like, I see how prophetic I am. I told you we'd be persecuted. I was. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. You're like, "I, I don't see what he's talking about, the sacrifice of relationships. Paul came to Thessalonica with Timothy and Silas, goes to Berea, goes to Athens. And he's basically saying, I sent Timothy back to you. What was the big sacrifice? Timothy was the sacrifice. Um, Paul loves Timothy. He's a son in the faith. He's a fellow minister. Paul could have said, wow, I really got beat up in Athens. Man, those guys at Mars Hill, you know, I need somebody here with me. I need a supporter. I need a son. I need, this is, you know, I'm the apostle and I need somebody to 
stand with me. And Paul is saying, look, it is a huge sacrifice for me to send Timothy back to you. This is really difficult. If you don't, don't believe me, and I know you do. I know you believe me, but just look, look at how he describes Timothy in Philippians. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare for everyone who looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Sending Timothy was a sacrifice for Paul to send him back. And here's, here's how I want to kind of apply it to us. To stay engaged in relationships will take a sacrifice on your part. If, you, if all you look at is what relationships can give to you, then your relationships will ever be thwarted because no one can feed the monster that is your own soul. And instead, if you want to maintain healthy relationships, you need to figure out a way that you get to give yourself away. Look, in two weeks, we're doing a marriage retreat. Um, yeah, if you haven't signed up, is today the last day? I think you better sign up. It's coming soon. The marriage relationship, uh, marriage thing is coming soon. But one of the things I tell couples all the time is you, if you want to have a healthy relationship, live to outgive your spouse. Live to outgive your spouse. And it's that way with friendships too. You have to give away. You have to give away yourself. You have to be willing to sacrifice. I can't say this enough, that if you want relationships that are uh, not only healthy, but unoffendable, I, I, I want my relationships with my friends, my family, elders, church, to be where I am unoffendable. Where, where, let me just say this, if you try hard enough, you probably will push me over the edge. I'm not there yet. I'm saying I want that though. That is my desire. How do I get there? I do it by sacrificially giving my life away, not looking for what I can receive. Um, Tim Bascom says this, Community can rescue us from ourselves and help us to become ourselves. In the end, the size and strength of a community depends on the willingness of its members to give themselves in relationships. You can't stay part of a community and make all your decisions based on purely personal goals. You have to be willing to give yourself away. G.K. Chesterton says this, how much larger your life would be if yourself could become smaller in it. Sacrificial giving in relationships, critical, huge, and I hope that we will all aim for, for this. Going on. I'm going to come back to all of these because I'll review them because you'll see how I time together at the end, but just hang on. The second point is this, the joy of relationships. So here's my point. If a relationship is just sacrificial, I'm just giving, 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 
It doesn't seem like there's much joy there, right? But the opposite should be true. We should have joy in the middle of sacrifice. Paul says this, but Timothy has now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. I, I hope you get the picture. Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica before he went to Corinth. Timothy stayed a while, taught him a while. Now he's come down to Corinth. He's given Paul a report. Paul is writing this letter, which he's going to send back with Timothy again. About faith and love. Okay, moving on. Verse, uh, reading some more. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. This is just this passage oozes with joy. It, it, it just is a, a declaration that these relationships are joyful. I'm giving sacrificially, but at the same time, are you finding joy in your relationships? Joy in your relationships? I'm trying more and more just to see the pure joy, not the duty. Not the obligation, not the sacrifice alone, but the joy. And the more I do, the more I, I sense it. The more I see in the church and the people and the friends and the family. I mean, if you're, if you're around me very much, you know I'm going to talk about my family. At some point, I'm going to talk about my kids, my family, my grandkids, you know, we, we have five children. I, I, most of you know that. I was watching Jim Gaffigan the other day. He had just had his fourth child. And uh, he, he said, yeah, my wife just gave birth to our fourth child. And he goes, yeah, no one really cheers that anymore. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what having a fourth child is like. He said, it's like, it's like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> and that's, that's what having five children was like at times. It was like, yeah, we're drowning and someone gives us another, another child. Those of you who have multiple, you'll understand. But I find joy in my family. You, you might find it weird, but I talk to almost all my kids every day. It makes, it makes, part of my, it makes my day go fast. I know they're driving somewhere when they call me. To one of two things. They're either driving or they need something. One of those two things. But that's fine. I don't care. I, don't, I just love, I love talking to them. So it's great. I find incredible joy in my friends. Um, I, I love my friends. I love to be with, 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 with friends. Um, you know the kind of friends you'll go on vacation with? Those kind of friends? I, I love being with my friends. They just they bring me joy. TV had a birthday on Friday. So I called TV to wish him happy birthday because he's a friend. I'm sorry, if I don't call everyone in the church, please forgive me. But um, I try to let, I do sign a card uh, and try and give it to you every year. But I called TV, he's an elder and a friend. 
which I feel like I have to explain myself. Um, <laughs> TV answers the phone, and I'm, Kathy and I are ready. We've got it on speakerphone. We're going to sing happy birthday to TV. So we think we're really special. Unbeknownst to me, I, I get, I get um, what do you call it when there's a whole bunch of people on the line? I get tagged into a group conversation that TV's having with his family. So when he answers, when he answers the phone, Kathy and I, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy. And it's just chaos on this phone. I don't know if you've heard TV's family, but it's, they're TV, but a lot of them. So it's loud, it's chaotic, I can't tell who's who, I don't even know what's going on. It's just all this noise is going on, and Kathy and I are trying to sing happy birthday. And eventually we do, and we pray for him, TV's like, pray for me, okay. So I pray for him, and so I pray for him, I hung up, and I said, Kathy, what in the world was that? What just happened? I feel like I got tossed in a dryer and then pulled out all of a sudden, like, I'm not even sure what occurred. Those are my friends. I love my friends. I love our elders. I love this church. But I can tell you there have been periods of time in my life where rather than looking at the joy of church, I've looked at the job and the duty of church. Honestly. Instead, I'm like, you know what? I'm in the fourth quarter of my ministry. I, I recognize that. And I'm going to find joy in this. I'm going to find joy in the people I work with. I'm going to find joy in the, in the church life. I'm going to find joy in our elders, joy in my friends, joy in my family. And this is not just some kind of pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. I think it's biblical to find sacrificial joy in our relationships. Because if you lose the joy of marriage, if you lose the joy of relationships, you've lost some of the lifeblood of it, haven't you? The joy of relationships. How are we going to do this? How in the world can you find be sacrificial in the way you live your life and joyful and be unoffendable in all these uh, things I'm talking about. Here, here's the main point I want you to see. And you're like, wow, he's just getting to the main point. This is the important one. It's the source of relationships. Where does the power to do this come from? In other words, I can't do this on my own. I, I, I can't. You might say, well, he's really developing as an old man. He's getting joy and sacrifice, and, you know, he's really uh, good for him. I'm so happy for him that this is, you know, he's finally lightening up a little bit or whatever. But I'm going to say, I can't do it on my own. I am not this disciplined. I am not this, um, I'm, honestly, I'm not that kind of person. Can I, can I tell you a secret? I mean, a really big secret. This is a horrible secret for your pastor to confess. I don't really like people all that much. I mean, I mean you may be like, well, wait a minute. I, I'd rather be alone reading a book. I'd, be, I'd rather be, you know, somewhere doing something I... I I don't, I've never been the kind of person who needs a ton of friends. 
I need like two or three close friends, and I'm totally content. In myself, in myself, I'm, I'm totally content in this. But I've learned that's not, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is much bigger than me or my desires or my even predispositions as kind of an introverted kind of person. Instead, if I'm going to tithe this kind of relational Christianity in which I love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength and love everyone, really, neighbors, friends, as myself, I got to tap into the source. I can't do it my own, my own way. Paul says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. It's kind of the physical way. But then he goes on and says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does, does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. By the way, I'm not going to focus on this last verse, but notice Paul is once again setting up the second coming teaching. He, he's, he's, he's previewing, uh, what is it called, foreshadowing, which he's done a couple of times already to talk about when the Lord returns. Uh, he wants to get to this teaching, which is coming up in like a chapter and a half, where he's going to start talking about uh, the return of the Lord. But really, the part I want you to see is he says, may the Lord make your love increase. It's really from him. I would love to think I can make my own love increase. But you know what? I really, I really can't. As, much, as hard as I try, it'll be short-term and inadequate. But the Lord can. He can strengthen my heart if, if I lean into what he's doing. If I'm really going to sacrifice for my family, for my friends, for this church, if I'm going to live in a sacrificial relationship, then it's got to be by his strength. If, indeed, I'm going to find joy in this journey, it's going to be because I lean into him. I, I, I'm getting more and more of being in a place where I just, I love people. Now, to you, that may sound like, well, that's your job, dude, to love people. I can do my job without loving my job. Honestly, I can. I'm that good. <laughs> but, but it's not going to have the same impact. It's not going to have the same life to it. You can be in a marriage without living sacrificially or living joyfully. You're in the same roof. You're in the same house. From all standards, you've got a marriage. But people, there's a difference between a marriage and a marriage. There's a difference between just a roommate and a spouse. There's a difference. How do you, how do you find that? Well, you find it by his strength, by his 
heart being enveloped in you so that you learn to live sacrificially, live to outgive your spouse or even your friends or family or whoever's around you, and find joy in the journey. I believe Paul is really calling us, calling us to do this. And we're going to feel more and more inadequate in the days ahead if we don't really lean into him. I went to high school in Miami, Florida. I, my graduating class had 750 in my graduating class. It was a big high school. I sat there on the day of my graduation and heard names read of people I had gone to three years of high school with. I'd been in the same building with them, uh, maybe even some of the same classes. And I'm like, who the heck is that? I have never seen them. I've never heard of them. I've never, you know, I'm just watching names go across the stage. I had some incredibly close friends in high school, but not 750. By the way, I was a pretty big deal in high school. Um, <laughs> I was such a geek. I was like the same height I am now, but I weighed 109 pounds. So just put same height. I, I, I'm not overweight now, but I'm like 160 versus 109. Take 50 pounds off this, and that's what I look like in high school. You can, you can use your imagination. But I did all this musical stuff. I was, I was the lead in all the musicals I was in. Um, you know, the jazz band, I was in the marching band, I was president of the choir, blah, 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 nerdy stuff. But to me, I thought it was a big deal. But I'm seeing all these people go across who I've never heard of and who wouldn't know who the heck I am. Then I go to college where everybody was like me. You know, I went to a music school and everybody was as good as me musically, if not tons better. They were all the big deals in their high school. And I remember first day of being in college, meeting a couple of guys who became, it's just God, it's just the Lord, who I was, I went to a college and you're like, where's he going with this? I'm gonna, I got a point, just hang on. I'm, I go to college, I'm suddenly thrust into a school 1,500 miles from where I lived, I never visited the campus. Back then, we didn't care that much. You didn't really do campus visits and, you know, see these dorm rooms that are like, you know, so, you know, my room was about the size of this table. Um, I got assigned a roommate I'd never heard of before, I'd never seen before, I'd never talked to before. I'm living with this guy. I remember my parents driving off and leaving me at this college. I knew not one person on this campus, and I'm sitting in my room and I'm thinking, what the heck have I done? Because I'm introverted, I don't meet a lot of people, but suddenly I think, I need people. I gotta go find somebody. So I start walk, literally walking the halls of the dorm, just looking for someone. And I felt like I was in a zombie movie, you know, like I'm looking for someone. 
and being the geeky 110-pound music major that I was, I hear two guys singing, playing a guitar and singing, and the doors open to their room, and I just knock on the door. And they said, hey, come in. I'm so-and-so, and I'm so-and-so. One of the guys' name was um, Miller Cunningham, who, uh, and, and the other guy was named Barry Rock. First day, first hour, I meet these two guys who become lifelong friends. Both of them were in my wedding. I was in both of their weddings. I was roommates with both of them for the next, honestly, seven years. Um, I was the last roommate both of them had before they got married. If that tells you, after, you're like, huh? What did you just say? Um, what I'm saying is this. At some point, you have to go from being a big deal to being a nothing deal to know this is not about you. You have to go from saying, I, I want to I show off in my relationships to I just want to show up. I want to be there. I want to experience the joy of relationships. How do I do that? I do it by tuning into the source of relationship with God that informs and inspires my relationship with others. God has called you to be relational. He's called you to end a relationship with those around you. As a matter of fact, Jesus died for it. He says, is not the cup of participation, excuse me, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there's one loaf. We, who are many, are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. People, we're in this together. When you come to this table, there's so many things about the cup and the bread that are portrayed really spiritually, that are significant for each of us. But really, one of the key aspects is that we who were many have been made one. We are the body of Christ. To take in the table a manner that's unworthy is declare I'm not a part of the body. Or to declare it in a way that um, lessens what Christ has done in your life what Christ has done in our lives. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to come and take of the cup, the bread, and what I want you to really ask the Lord to do in your heart and life today is say, Lord, you are the source. You are the fountainhead of love. It is through your sacrifice that we who are many are made one, how can I live sacrificially like my Lord in my relationships? with? How can I give my life away? And how can I love like you love in all my relationships? Lord, we pray right now, the Spirit of God, you move in our midst, that you'd move among us, that we who were many, we're now one. And we're one because of you. Lord, during these moments, Spirit of God, help confirm in each and every one of us 
the joy of relationships. Relationships that will change our lives forever and relationships in which we get to give our lives away to help change others. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you are doing in us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glory in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I pray that the Spirit of God move on you as you come to this table. That his presence, his joy, his sacrifice be implanted in your hearts. Middle section, come down the middle aisle. Outside sections down the outside aisle. Take, get your bread and your cup and take it back to your place. And then we will together take it as the body of Christ. Come to the table of the Lord.